Most of us are familiar with the traditional story of Thanksgiving, where William Bradford of Plymouth Rock proclaimed a day of Thanksgiving to celebrate the survival of the pilgrims in their second year in the New World, as well as an abundant harvest that they had reaped with the aid of the Indians. However, most people don't know that the first American Thanksgiving didn't occur in 1621 with this group of pilgrims who shared a feast with a group of friendly Indians. The first recorded Thanksgiving actually took place in Virginia more than 11 years earlier, and it wasn't a feast. The winter of 1610 at Jamestown had reduced a group of 409 settlers to 60. The survivors prayed for help without knowing when or how it might come. When help arrived in the form of a ship filled with food and supplies from England, a prayer meeting was held to give thanks to God. You would think that after seeing so many of their loved ones die due to the hardships of the new world, they would not feel that thankful. However, the opposite was true. They realized they had much to be thankful for. We ourselves often don't realize how blessed we are or how thankful we ought to be until we have what we have is threatened to be taken away. It is good and fitting that as Christians, we ought to celebrate Thanksgiving for God has certainly been good to every single one of us. Someone once said that gratitude is the source for all other Christian virtues. If that be the case, then perhaps we need to reason that ingratitude may well be the source of all, or at least many of our faults as well. When we begin to take for granted what God has done for us, then we become calloused and filled with pride, and then God can no longer use us. For a Christian, every day ought to be a day of thanksgiving. Here in the passage of scripture that I read this morning, there were 10 lepers who met Jesus and had a life-changing encounter with our Lord. When you break this story down to its simplest elements, that describes every Christian. We were outcast from the kingdom of God on our way to certain death, but then we had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. While we should never look back on the pleasures of sin, we should never forget where the Lord has brought us from. We have so much to be thankful for, and yet sometimes I think we forget all that we need to thank God for. Thanksgiving is mentioned in the Bible some 40 plus times. Here 
are some key verses that talk about thanksgiving. Psalm 26 and 7, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous work. Psalms 50 and 14, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 69 and 30, I will praise the name of the Lord with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalms 95 and 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Psalms 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You see, David gave thanks to the Lord in the Psalm, in Psalm 103 for all of God's provisions and blessings. Daniel gave thanks to the Lord in Daniel 6 and 10 when he heard the decree that no one is to pray to anyone except King Darius. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18 that we should give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances, not when we're just on top of the world, but when we hit rock bottom, we still need to give God thanks. Because I'm sure at that rock bottom experience, there's something, some lesson we need to learn, uh, some testimony we need to gain. Because I always say, how can you minister to someone who's going through something if you have not been through that yourself? The best witness is someone who's gone through that exact same thing. Because then you can identify and know exactly what that person has gone through. Just when I I was sharing with my husband when I went to do the funeral services for um, Mrs. Davies. And I talked with the family. I had never met the family before. Um, They let me know that they were longtime members of this church. And the thing was, I was able to minister to them even though I didn't know them because I know what it's like to lose a parent, right? So it's hard to minister to someone if you don't know, if you've never been in their shoes. Because I've been in their their shoes, I was able to minister and bring comfort and speak out of my experience to help them get through their experience, encourage them to come say some words. Initially, no one, they didn't want to come up and and say any words, but after I spoke to them, God opened their heart and a few of them got up to talk about their mom because I knew that they needed to do that because if they didn't, they would regret it for the rest of their life. They would have said, I should have got up and said something. So out of our experiences, those things, those rock bottom Why is life so tough for me? Why am I going through this? Why am I going through that? Because you're going to help someone else get through their tough times. God is going to bring you through it 
and you're going to be able to share that testimony with someone, no matter what it is. We all go through different things. We don't all experience the same things, but that's why we are here to help others by sharing our story. So don't be afraid to share your story. Sometimes your story may be embarrassing. Sometimes your story may be heartbreaking, but someone needs to hear your story. That's why I begin to open up and share my story with you all so that you can feel my heart. You can know me, see the transparency, right? So that's what we need to do. So don't be down in the dumps about some of the things you go through, some of the heart things you go through. I know it's not easy. Trust me, we go through our experiences of life too. And it's not easy. But God will bring us all through. Amen? Amen. Okay. So Paul tells us in everything, we ought to give thanks. As we look at the world today, we see so much ungratefulness being displayed. God does so much for us. Our indebtedness to him is enormous, and yet we rarely or at least infrequently offer thanks for what he has done. In fact, most professing Christians don't even offer thanks over their meal, much less offer thanks over all that God has done in their lives. That's one thing that we always do as a family, no matter where we are. We will offer and pray over our meal. Whether we're in the diner, at Red Lobster, Olive Garden, Chinese restaurant, wherever. We hold hands. We don't do it in secret. We hold hands. We bow our heads. And whoever's with us. They join in too. So don't be ashamed. You got to offer God thanks. Because just like us as individuals, if you do something for someone and they don't say thank you, you'll be less likely to do something for them again because they didn't show you any appreciation, right? So think about God in that way. God has done something for you. You need to give God thanks. Because then God can say, you know what? They didn't appreciate what I did. So, you know, I'm going to let them suffer in this thing a little bit longer. (laughs) Until you finally get on your knees and you're crying, Lord, thank you. (laughs) You know, We are much like the little boy who was given an orange by a man. The boy's mother asked, what do you say to the nice man? The little boy thought and handed orange back and said, peel it. (laughs) For a child of God, thankfulness 
is not confined to a day or a season. It is an attitude that we should have every day and every hour. And with that in mind, I would like to talk to you from the subject, an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. So here in the passage of scripture that I read this morning, there were 10 lepers who met Jesus and they had a life-changing encounter with the Lord. When you break this story down to the simplest element, that describes every Christian. And I would like to examine three elements, position, prayer, and praise. The position of all. Let's look at their position. If we look at verses 11 and 12, And it says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. We see here the positions of the lepers. Finally, firstly, they were in an awful position. Luke says here that they stood far off. The disease of leprosy was a painful disease, but the physical pain was not the most terrible part of the disorders. Lepers were separated. They were shut out. They were cast off. It seems here that these lepers were shut out to an area away from everyone else. They were shut out from their families. No one knows how long it had been since they had felt the touch of their wife or kissed their children. They were shut out from friends. Friends no longer came over or invited them to go hang out with them. They were shut out from fellowship of church. Notice that Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, entered into a certain village And there met the lepers, the religious crowd, the religious crowd had no room for these leprous men. But most awful, they they were shut out from the father. Here is Jesus, the only way to the father. And they stood far, far off from him. Sinners are not near God. They are far off. And they cannot and will not draw near on their own. Do you know what kept them at a distance? The law. The law shut them out. The law set forth the conduct of lepers. The law says when you pass one, pass on the other side of the street and cry out unclean. Sin puts us in an awful position and all of them were in this awful position. They were in an approachable position. Here are these men living shut out lives. But I'm grateful this morning that where the law says man can't go, Jesus goes. What the law declares off limits, Jesus barges right on in. When the law passes on the other side, Jesus makes a point to make contact. 
Oh, listen, Jesus came to save sinners. He went this way on purpose because even in the awful position sin puts us in, Jesus is able to reach us. Jesus is able to save us. My family can't help me. My friends can't help me. The church can't help me, but Jesus can help me. And while we stand afar off from him, he does not stand afar off from us. When they could not get to Jesus, Jesus got to them. When they could not come to him, he came to them. But they were still in the same position. Let's look at the prayer. Verses 13 and 14 says, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were clean. All 10 uttered the same prayer. Notice two things here quickly. Their observation. They saw and they sense their need. You don't pray and call out for help unless you feel your need. The reason sinners don't come to Christ for salvation is that they don't sense their need. But the loneliness and the pain of this disease were evident to these 10 lepers. They knew They needed help, and there was none to be found except maybe in this man called Jesus, whom they had heard healed the sick. There is no doubt they needed help. So they cried out for mercy. When you need help, cry out for mercy. Romans 10 and 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's take a look at their obedience. Prayer without obedience is useless. Let me say that again. Prayer without obedience is useless. Jesus tells them to go to the priest. Now the priest had no power to cure But the priest had the authority to declare that one was cured and clean and to issue the certificate of cleanliness so that all would be sure of their healing. But do notice that they were not healed immediately, but they were healed as they went, as they obeyed the command of the Lord they were healed. So not only did all pray to Jesus, but Jesus also healed them physically. Let's take a look at the praise of one. Verse 15 through 19. And it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving God thanks. And he was a Samaritan. 
And Jesus answering, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There, they, they are not found. They, re, they did not return to give God glory. And he said unto them, arise, go. He said unto the man, arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. Here is the key to the whole issue. All were in the same awful position. All prayed and they all were healed. Yet only one of the ten returned to offer thanksgiving. This was the opportunity of praise. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. He saw a reason to praise. He saw a difference Jesus had made. He saw a change wrought by Christ. He saw an opportunity to praise God. Many see their need to pray, but they don't see their need to praise. I don't know how it happened. We're not told here. But maybe as they walked towards the priest's house, he began to notice his skin losing the scales on his arms. Or maybe they passed by some people and he expected that they would run to the other side and yell, unclean, unclean, but it never came. I don't know how he came to the conclusion, but when he saw that he was healed, he stopped going the one direction and made a beeline to Jesus Christ. He had reason to praise God. They all had reason to praise God, but only one saw it. So what was the object of praise? Where are the other nine? I have no doubt that after they were declared clean by the priest, they made their way to their families and their friends to hug and kiss the wives and children, to visit mom and dad, to talk with friends. Their minds were so occupied on all that the blessing brought to their lives. But one, one loved his wife and children just as much as the other. One wanted to hug and kiss his wife and children just as much as the other. One wanted to spend time with his friends just as much as the other. One wanted to enjoy the blessings just as much as the other. But one had his priorities in order. One did not get wrapped up in the blessing that he forgot about the blesser. One put family, one, one put family friends and fellowship on hold so that he could worship the one that made his being with his family and friends possible. Notice, that with a loud voice, he glorified God. See, that, that's the thing. When God does something for you, you want to just shout it out. Thank you, Jesus. I guarantee you, if a billionaire walked in this church, stood right there, and said, every one of you that is in this church, 
I'm going to give you a million dollars. I bet you all will be yelling so loud. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I know I would. <laughs> right? So he was so excited that God healed him. When you've gone through sickness for a long period of time, when you've gone through poverty for a long period of time, when you've gone through struggle after struggle, and finally God puts his hand in the mix and fixes everything, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I could give my own personal testimony or our testimony. We were having problems with our boiler. And we called someone to fix it, charge us an arm and a leg, and he didn't fix it. So you know when your boiler's not working, what? You don't have any... You don't have any heat. You don't have any hot water. No, none of y'all knew that, right? (laughs) But for us... It was something that we had to deal with until it got fixed. But we thank God. We thank God for Brother Bob. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, thank, we thank God for Brother George Rice, who came. Because some of these people who try to fix your things, they try to get so much money out of you. They wanted to charge, they charged us almost $500 just to do what they do, it didn't fix, and then they tell us it's another problem that's going to cost us another $700. We said, no, thank you, that's okay. So we bought the piece that we needed, and we put it on, but unfortunately, it didn't work. And we reached out, my husband reached out to Bob, the young gentleman who came, came to the house, how long did it take him? Five minutes <laughs> to fix our problem and $600 cheaper. And do you know when my husband said it's fixed, because I started hearing the, the heat, you know, when the heat's coming on, and we were like, thank you, Jesus, ah! started jumping in the house. <laughs> we take for granted heat and hot water. That's right. But I was so happy that God allowed all of that to happen for us just this week. <laughs> this, is, this, this isn't years ago. Just this week. And we're grateful to God. And we're not embarrassed to tell of the struggles that we go through. We go through everything that everyone else goes through. No, we're not embarrassed. Life happens. It happens to us. It happens to you. But we got to push past it. And God will make a way. So we've got to say thankful. We've got to be thankful and tell God thank you. So in a loud voice, he glorified God. And with that same loudness and intensity. He cried for mercy. He glorified God. Many times we cry loud for help and then we give God a low praise. But with that same zeal that we sought for help, 
we should praise him. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He was not a Jew. He was not worthy of this healing. He was not worthy to receive God's help. But by grace, he was healed. And he comes to worship the one who unconditionally healed him. And then he got more than the others did. They received physical healing from a distance. But this one not only received physical healing, but he got close to God and he worshiped him as Lord and received spiritual healing. God may choose to physically heal a man from a distance, but spiritual healing only comes when we fall prostrate before the feet of Jesus Christ and worship him as Savior and Lord. His faith did not save him, but it connected him to the one who could save him. I'm going to close with this short story. There was a father and a mother of a young man killed in the military in a little church. One day they came to the pastor and told him they wanted to give a monetary gift as a memory to their son who died in battle. The pastor said, that's a wonderful gesture on your part. He asked if it was okay to tell the congregation and they said it was. So the next Sunday he told the congregation of the gifts given in memory of the dead son. On the way home from church, another couple were driving down the highway when the father said to his wife, why don't we give a gift because of our son? And his wife said, but our son didn't die in any conflict. Our son is still alive. Her husband replied, that's exactly my point. That's all the more reason we ought to give thanks to God in attitude of gratitude.